Well, this morning we'll continue our series of lessons on the essential doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the subject and the doctrines that we've been considering of late have been concerning the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And no study would be complete on the Holy Spirit without studying Paul's teachings in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we'll begin there this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll read verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. We are going to consider these specific nine gifts that are listed here in our next lesson. But this morning, I just want us to understand the context in which these gifts are mentioned here in this 12th chapter. In chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul did not set out to write a a treatise or a, a systematic explanation of nine specific gifts of the Holy Spirit. That was not his purpose in these chapters. He wrote to address and to correct the carnal thinking and practice of the Corinthians in the local assembly there at Corinth concerning these spiritual gifts or graces or the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Corinthians were using the manifestation of these gifts, the manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit in the midst of God's people, to exalt themselves as individuals, to draw attention to themselves. And the result of that kind of practice was chaos. Their meeting was in chaos. It was confusion. Carnality reigned and characterized the the assembly at Corinth because of their practice of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And that led to division. And so as we read 1 Corinthians, there's all kinds of corrections that deal with each of these these things. But a part of that was this chaos created by their lack of understanding of why the Holy Spirit was given and how he works. So the antidote to that kind of chaos, division, and carnality we find in the midst of this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. In the middle there, we have what we have come to know as the love chapter. And so the love of God 
is the antidote to that kind of carnality and that kind of division. And that was Paul's purpose in presenting these chapters. When the love of God is what motivates everything we do, personally, privately, in the local assembly, the result is not going to be chaos. It's not going to be division. It's not going to be carnality. It's going to be edification. God's people are going to be built up on their faith. They're going to be strong in their faith. And when that takes place, there is godliness that characterizes not only individuals, but the assembly in general. So these are important lessons. We need to know why he wrote them, though. Too many times we just focus on, well, let's, let's talk about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, again, that wasn't Paul's purpose. We're, we're going to consider those because there are important lessons for us, and there are questions that need to be asked and answered, and we'll do that. But we need to understand it in context before we can understand it at all. The, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the local assembly is for the edification of all. It's not for the exaltation of individuals that exercise the gift. It's for God's glory and that God's people would be built up and strengthened. So let's back up to verse 1 where it says, now concerning spiritual gifts. In the Greek, it, it's, a, it's a word that we can't really translate in the English in our grammar. But in the Greek, it's simply concerning spirituals just the, the plural of the word spiritual. In other words, it's talking about the things that pertain to the Holy Spirit, the things that emanate from the Holy Spirit. So all of these things are coming from the Holy Spirit. And when Paul began to, to talk to the Corinthians about how the Holy Spirit works among God's people, he talked about how when they were unsaved, when they were idolaters, that they were carried away. That is, they were led away by, th by their priests and their personal agendas. And so whatever priest they were under and whatever I idol they were following, they, they were just led however those people and those principles led them. And, and that, there were many. There were many agendas and many different kinds of priests and idols. And that's how they lived their life before they came to know Christ. But Paul's point is that in the body of Christ, things are done differently. There's only one spirit. He's the one that is responsible to lead all of us. We have one mind, the mind of Christ. And so there's not everybody having their own agenda, everybody doing what they want, when they want, how they want. Paul says that's not, that's not how it's done in the body of Christ. We have one head, Jesus. We have one spirit who enlightens and enables us and gives us these gifts and these graces, these abilities to do the will of God. And when we recognize that Holy Spirit, he and he alone is going to be the one who directs us. So guess what? There's going to be unity in the body of Christ. In verses four to six of that first Corinthians 12 that we read, he talks about the diversities of the gifts. And so in other words, the Corinthians were, were saying, I have this gift, and it's a better gift. It's a, it's a superior gift than what you have, so that makes me superior to you. And so they, they thought that diversity meant division. That's how they, they were having their church services. I'm better than you because I have a better gift. 
And Paul says that's not how things are done. Diversity doesn't mean that there's division. There are different ways that the Holy Spirit works. There's different ways that the Holy Spirit ministers to you, but it's the same Spirit who's leading all in the same direction to do and to accomplish the will of God. And so diversity, being different, doesn't mean that we're better, superior, or one's inferior. It's the same Holy Spirit, and so and all of those gifts pertain to him and emanate from him. And so they're what? They're all good. They're all, they're all profitable. They are all for the edification of God's people. And so, therefore, none of them should be rejected. Because if you reject what comes from the Spirit, guess what? You're rejecting the Spirit and his work. So this is Paul's emphasis here. Stop boasting in your gifts. The Holy Spirit is the one who chooses to give them. And it's not for your exaltation, but it's for the edification of all. And whenever each member does what God, what, what the Holy Spirit is leading them to do, there's going to be unity. There's going to be edification. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives them. And this is why it's important for each of us to be, to recognize the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in our personal life first, first and foremost, and then when there are individuals that are spiritually minded and we come together as a local assembly, do you see the, the, the power and the edification and the encouragement that comes from that? But the Corinthians were coming to church and they were destroying one another. There were divisions. There was bitterness. There was arrogance because they didn't understand how and why. Oh, they, they understood somewhat how the Holy Spirit worked because these gifts were real. They were of the Holy Spirit, but they were being abused. And so the important thing is to learn why the Holy Spirit works, not just how, but why. And it's for our edification. Last week, we studied how important it was for us to be led personally by the Holy Spirit and how important it is for us to learn to recognize his voice first by reading his word, the Bible, and then secondly, by being able to recognize his direction in, in those decisions that aren't specifically lined out for us in Scripture. And so that's important. And these, these body gifts, these gifts to the body that work in the local assembly, they are not to replace or annul that personal leading of the Holy Spirit that each one of us is to have. The manifestations to the body of the Holy Spirit, these gifts, are to supplement our personal leading of the Holy Spirit, not to replace it, not to annul it, but to supplement. They are to encourage and to confirm and to support what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do in your, your life. That's, that's why these gifts were given, to encourage us, to confirm some of the things that the Holy Spirit is dealing with us personally. Sadly, and, and why this is important to understand is because over the years, I have dealt with many Charismatics and Pentecostals that look to these gifts that were given to the body for the edification of the body, these public gifts. They look to them as their only source of guidance for their life. In other words, if somebody doesn't prophesy over them, they don't know what to do. But that's not God's pattern for us. You need to be able to recognize the voice of the Spirit for yourself, and then the Holy Spirit can use other gifts to confirm what he's doing in your life. 
But if you have to wait till somebody prays over you, or if you have to wait till somebody tells you what the will of God is for your life, you've put yourself in a very dangerous position. And that's why there's so much deceit and confusion and carnality among God's people, because many have allowed these public gifts, these gifts to the body, to replace their spiritual guidance by the Spirit in their personal life. We need to be careful with that. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart individually. And then when we come together corporately, there can be that confirmation, that encouragement. This is the will of God for your life. The body ministries are are never to be a substitute for that personal leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's go to, well, we've already read it, but if you want to look there in your Bible where we read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 8 through 11, where we see that Paul lists what we have come to know as the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. There, There are some, even within our group, that say there are only nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what Paul listed here. Well, again, if if Paul's purpose was to specifically write about nine specific gifts, then, then I can understand that. But that wasn't his purpose. He gives an example of how the Holy Spirit works. The This list... And, and we will consider them specifically because I, I don't want to downgrade these nine gifts, but I would like for us to upgrade how we look at other ways that the Holy Spirit works that are just as much from him and just as powerful and just as needed. But in, in this list, he does list nine specific gifts. And so we need to, to consider those. Lord willing, we will next week. But the Holy Spirit is infinite. He's God. He's part of that Trinity. The Trinity is one in nature, and they are one in purpose. And so to me, it is foolish for us to think that we're going to limit the Holy Spirit to nine ways that he can work in our midst. And we'll look at the scriptural foundation to show that that statement is true. I believe that Paul is simply given a list of examples, just like other passages where we could read where Paul gives a list of sins. Those list of sins that Paul gives, is that an exhaustive list? Is that the only sins that there are? <laughs> no, he was simply giving an example. In fact, in one case he says, and such as these. And so it's the same thing with these nine gifts. They're simply examples of some of the ways, important ways, in which the Holy Spirit works in our midst. There's no manifestation that comes from the Holy Spirit that is inferior to another. They're all from him. And so they should all be received. So you shouldn't look at your brother who has a different gift or has no gift at all and say, well, I'm better than you because I have this gift. That's just arrogance. If it's truly a gift from the Holy Spirit, it's not of you. It's of the Holy Spirit. It's spirituals. It came from him. And it's for the good of the body. Let's do read 1 Corinthians 12 and verses 27 to 31 that we didn't read. And see here that Paul, in still dealing with this correction that needed to be corrected concerning their attitude and their practice, Paul slips in a few different gifts or manifestation of the Holy Spirit that he didn't mention in the nine. Now, he mentions some of the nine again, but then he adds some things that are just as much from the Spirit, just as much a gift or a grace. That's what the, what the word means, a grace from the Holy Spirit. 
1 Corinthians 12, 20, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, the gifts of healings. Those were mentioned earlier as the nine gifts. But here he says, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. So there's a couple of things added here. Are all apostles? But again, this is just part of his explanation. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Those rhetorical questions all demand a negative response, don't they? No, not everyone has all the gifts or the same gifts. But he does say in verse 31, earnestly seek, desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into the, the love chapter that love is what's to motivate all of us. So he makes his point that there is unity and diversity when the Holy Spirit is working. And he lists several other gifts here, helps and administrations. Also in Romans 12, we see some more gifts of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, verses 3 to 9. We'll consider here in a minute where Paul does talk about the best gifts, and he does specifically point out prophecy, because it's always appropriate to proclaim, to foretell, and when the Holy Spirit leads to, to foretell the will of God. But in the context of, of Paul's teaching, what would be the best gift? The best gift is that which is needed in that moment. Sometimes somebody needs a sermon for them to advance in their faith, and the Holy Spirit will provide that anointed sermon. Sometimes a person needs simply a love offering or some kind of other help to assist them in some, some natural thing. But that's what they need in order for their faith to grow. And so the best gift is the gift that's needed in that moment. And only the Holy Spirit knows that. If you just think you know that your gift is what's needed and you just always exercise that gift without really being led of the Holy Spirit, it's going to lead to confusion and carnality and division. But the best gift is the one that the Holy Spirit knows is needed at that moment. In Romans 12, verses 3 to 9. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, so again, there's the diversity, and yet the unity. Diversity is not a sign of division when it is directed and anointed by the Holy Spirit. But all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing, according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So Paul, nor am I, trying to discourage the manifestation of these gifts. Not at all. The point is that they are to be exercised under the direction of the Holy Spirit for God's glory and the good of God's people. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. See, in 
Corinthians 12, exhortation wasn't listed as a, a gift, but apparently Paul is including it here as a gift given by the Holy Spirit. He who exhorts an exhortation, he who gives with liberality. Oh, generous giving, is that a gift? Yep. Led of the Holy Spirit. He who leads with diligence. He who sows mercy. Is that a gift? Is that, is that a manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. This is what the Holy Spirit will enable us to do. In Romans there where we read, the word gift is the same word that is translated gift in 1 Corinthians 12. Grace. That grace is given. That favor is given. Those abilities that God gives individuals, it's of the Holy Spirit and for the good, the edification of God's people. The subject, again, is unity in diversity. It's okay that we're different. It's okay that our personalities are different, but it's also okay that our ministries are different. That should be embraced, not, not a cause of division, which it often is, isn't it? If we're not all doing and saying the same thing in the same way, then, oh, we, oh we, we've got to have division. No, we should embrace our diversity. Your body embraces diversity. Aren't you glad that your whole body's not your nose? My nose keeps getting bigger as I get older. I'm glad I have many different members in my body. I'm glad that we're different. It adds to our strength and our ability as a body to do the will of God. And then as we, as individual members minister to one another, we can individually do what we need to do. If my arm muscle is, is strong, my fingers will be able to do what they need to do. If my lungs are good and healthy, I'll be able to walk and do what I want to do. When the individual is healthy spiritually, it leads to the spiritual health of the body. But it's all by the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. First Peter 4. Peter here mentions some gifts of the Holy Spirit. First Peter 4, 7 to 11. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. That's a gift of the Spirit. As each one has received a gift, again, that grace of the Holy Spirit, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God's grace is multifaceted, multicolored, diverse, and yet it's all the same grace. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's how the Holy Spirit ministers to God's people. Publicly, our, our public ministry, our body ministry, it's to be for his glory and for the good of our brother. But the Corinthians were using it to exalt themselves individually. And it just brought such division and carnality and chaos. Love brings unity. Love ministers these gifts for the good of others. This morning we'll close with the exhortation that we need to learn to be sensitive how the Holy Spirit works. And we'll, we'll consider that in our next lesson. 
how he works. What about these gifts that are Paul lists specifically and that were, were certainly a part of the worship service of the local assembly at Corinth? And notice that Paul doesn't say, stop doing those things. He didn't say those things are bad, quit it. He says they're of the, the Spirit. So he's not saying that how the Holy Spirit was working in, in among the Corinthians was wrong. But the Corinthians didn't understand why the Holy Spirit was working. And so that's what we need to learn this morning. We're, we're going to consider how he worked and how he still works among God's people. But why is the lesson we need to learn today? So that we can benefit from those manifestations of the Holy Spirit. None of his ways, none of the ways of the Holy Spirit contradicts another way. Nothing that emanates from the Holy Spirit is inferior. It's all divine. So we should accept it as that. To me, it is over, overwhelming and humbling to think that the Almighty, the, the triune God, cares enough about me and about us as a group, this little group. God cares enough about us that the Holy Spirit is here to minister to us through the sermon, through the Holy Spirit taking those words. And again, my preaching, if all you know about the will of God is what I tell you from the pulpit, you're in a dangerous place. You have to know the word of God for yourself. Now, hopefully, see, Jesus gave me this gift for you. I believe that God has given me. I wouldn't be able to stand up here week after week if I didn't believe that God had given me the gift of teaching, of expounding the word of God. That's not a boast. It's just a recognition of what God has given me and for which I'm responsible. But my gift is not to replace your understanding of the word of God. Hopefully, my preaching will confirm to you what the Holy Spirit is already dealing in your heart. And it's possible that sometimes my preaching will cause you to stop and say, well, is that really the will of God? I need to check that out. And you should check it out. This is why God gave the gift to the body, preachers, teachers. They're good. They're for your edification, but they're not to replace your personal walk with the Lord. And so know why the Holy Spirit works, and then you'll understand and benefit from how he works. Let's close with Psalm 144. The triune God cares enough to work in our midst, to give us these graces, to lead us personally and individually, but then also as we come together as a body to encourage us as a group to continue to do the will of God. Psalm 144, 1 through 4. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He equips us. My loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. He's everything we need to be able to do the will of God. This is why the Holy Spirit has come to equip us to do the will of God. Verse 3, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. If you haven't come to that realization about how brief life is yet, you will. How quickly life passes. Just like a breath. I take, take a breath and it's a matter of seconds. It's there and it's gone. When I look, look at my life, it just, where, where has it gone? And it only stands to emphasize how important it is for us to live for Christ today. This life is all about preparation for eternity. 
The Holy Spirit has come to lead us and to guide us into the will of God that we might be ready when our time comes to go. And it will come. Apart from that relatively few that will be alive when Jesus comes in comparison to all of the church age. Apart from that, we're all going to die. But what we do today matters for eternity. Let's learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's learn to recognize his working first and foremost in our personal lives. And then when we come together, if there's enough spiritually minded individuals that come together in a local assembly like this, who all want the will of God, do you understand the power that can be even in such a small group as this? Power not just to, to have an emotional moment. Those times are refreshing. And I look forward to those times. But a refreshing and a power to leave here and to be the kind of Christian God wants us to be to lead others to Jesus and to help our brothers and sisters to grow deeper in their understanding of the will of God, the purposes of God. It should humble us that the triune God would care enough about us to have that kind of personal interaction with us. What is man? We're just, we're just vessels of clay and we're gone in, in a little bit. But he's using me to bring him glory for eternity. May we value that, saints. Well, let's have a song in closing. We'll stand as we sing.